You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, hosted by Blake Murphy 7 and Johnny Touchdown. All about your Arizona Cardinals. Hello and welcome into the Revenge of the Birds podcast. We're coming to you, uh, recording this on a Tuesday afternoon after the Arizona Cardinals have fallen to the New England Patriots. Uh, this was kind of a uh, interesting game. Pats keep their playoff hopes alive. Cardinals take a hit. And uh, John, this was a game in which the offense seemed like it never truly found a rhythm. There were multiple missed opportunities that you looked at as well to really put the game away. Cardinals could not take advantage. It was a painful loss in that regard. And you now look at having essentially a one-game lead over the Niners and the Vikings in the NFC. Uh, You're also kind of talking a little bit about, uh, I guess you'd say technically a two-game lead over the Niners since you beat them once. But uh, even though the Rams lost, it is kind of a big hit as the Cardinals are now 6-5 and on the season with, uh, I believe, five games to go. And, John, let's, let's not gloss over the fact this is a pretty bad loss for the Arizona Cardinals. And like we said, you don't want to drop two games in a row. Uh, that's what Arizona did, and they looked pretty bad overall doing it, at least on the offense and special teams side. Uh, we'll get into some of how the defense played, but uh, what were some of your thoughts overall? As this was essentially a disappointment for most Cardinals fans who were hoping that the team could get a win, uh, cement uh, the team at 7-4 and four heading into uh, would be a kind of tougher part of the rest of their schedule. Yeah, welcome, everybody. <clears throat> it's a good thing Blake and I didn't do this right after the game because uh, I'm still feeling the effects of this loss, as I'm sure, Blake, many of our listeners are. Um, but <clears throat> there's no way to sugarcoat it. This was the worst loss. I wrote an article on RevengeOfTheBirds.com earlier this week. It's the worst loss in recent memory for this team, uh, given what was on the line, given the state of your opponent and the state of your roster. Um, there's there's just so much to dissect. Um but what I can tell you definitively is if they miss the postseason, this is going to be the game that, that haunts them in that regard. We previewed this game. It should not have been close. The Cardinals, up and down the roster, I would say have a 90% superior roster to New England in every sense. Um, you could probably argue that New England's got maybe a better defensive line, maybe a couple better pieces in the secondary. But, I mean, the Cardinals are a team that should have been able to walk into New England, especially after New England was embarrassed by the likes of Houston a week before. Similar quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Mobile QBs give this defense that's already struggling, give them problems. And the Cardinals were, especially offensively, like you mentioned, Blake, just completely neutralized. And, you know, I just, this game was supposed to be before the season, a game in which weather was dictating the terms and you'd have to deal with a raucous crowd at Gillette Stadium. Cardinals didn't have to deal with any of that. There's no home field advantage. They just had to hop on a flight and play in 50-degree weather against what equates, in my opinion, Blake, to a a large 53-man practice squad team. I mean, Cam Newton looks like he's done in the NFL. If you can't compete at a high level for Bill Belichick, and I know his weapons aren't great, you're probably... I mean, I think we would both be surprised if he's starting for a team next year and he could very well be out of football. He's been that bad this year. And the Cardinals made him look bad. And yet he was able to complete nine passes with two interceptions and and come out victorious. And his team scored more points than the Cardinals offense did. The Cardinals offense jumped out to a 10-0 lead. 
and then scored seven points the rest of the game and were shut out in quarters two and three. Kyler Murray still doesn't look right. If he's not healthy, he shouldn't play. They should they should prep Brett Hundley. If he's going to be compromised in any way, they should have given him an additional week off and played Brett Hundley and just said, we're going to try to do some smoke and mirrors, kind of like what New England did. We're going to try to do some misdirection. And I get it. You'd argue, well, 60 to 70 to 80% Kyler is better than 100% Brett Hundley. Well, we saw Brett Hundley play well last year in New England and win that game, or excuse me, in Seattle. But this game was more than just Kyler Murray not looking like himself. The offensive line did not play well. The interior offensive line, I don't know what has happened to them. Pugh, Sweezy, and Mason Cole were just completely embarrassed by the the Patriots' subpar defensive line. Adam Butler made Mason Cole look like a clown more often than not. Um, and yeah, Blake, it's just it's just one of those games where you were hoping to come out victorious after the Drake Kirkpatrick interception late in the fourth quarter. And what did they do? They got stagnant again on offense, and they unfortunately had to rely on a field goal kicker, which right now no one has confidence in. You and I both went into this game hoping that that was not going to be the case, and Zane Gonzalez was asked to make a clutch field goal of, of what was that, 45 yards, and he hooked it. He is not a playoff-level field goal kicker. And we've talked about it on this podcast. If you're, if you're a fan of this podcast and you've listened to us for the duration of the season, the Cardinals are still in the process of rebuilding the roster, yet they're in contention because of the upside of a handful of great players. Buddha, Hopkins, of course, Kyler Murray. They're getting elite-level play. And then there's just this gluttony of players that either shouldn't be starting or shouldn't be on an NFL roster that you're relying on to help win you games. And Zane Gonzalez falls in that category. They don't have anybody clearly they think is better right now. So they're trotting him out. And the unfortunate part is your field goal kicker plays a huge role as to whether or not you're going to be in the postseason. He missed that inside field goal against, excuse me, against Miami. Couldn't even reach the goalposts. And then they trot him out against New England, against Belichick, for a 45-yarder to win the game. And he blows it. So there's my, my first point. My second point is just the chess match between Belichick and Kingsbury. We previewed this matchup. This is the only scenario in which I thought New England had a chance is if Belichick just completely outclassed Kingsbury. And unfortunately, that's, that's what happened. Bill won this game with grit. He won it with defense. He won it with special teams. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he overcame poor offensive quarterback play to win. And Kingsbury, continually, the play calling was not great. Now, I know Christian Kirk you know, catches that touchdown pass at the end of the first half. It's a different story. But the, the, the Patriots just kept playing, making you play their game, and that's all Belichick. And then I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, Blake, the, the Kingsbury timeout. You know, it's second and 10, and the Cardinals get a sack with New England having no timeouts left under a minute to go. And Kingsbury, instead of playing for overtime, which is what you should have done, New England has no timeouts. They can't hurry up and get to the line. They're all dejected. Kingsbury in hopes that he can call a timeout on third and 13. So his defense with, what, 30 seconds left can get in field goal range for a kicker who just missed a field goal and for an offense that has not gone quick, hurry up and move the ball efficiently all game is going to play for a field goal win instead of trying to play for overtime. That was lunacy, and of course, what did Cliff do? He calls a timeout. He gives New England a chance to get their composure. Vance Joseph inexplicably rushes 
you know, too many men instead of playing, you know, rushing three and, and, and ensuring that Cam does not get that first down. And then, of course, it's compounded worse by the 15-yard the penalty to, Sim- to Simmons, which I think is just irrelevant because I'm confident New England would have kept marching and, and gotten into field goal range regardless. But I just – that was such a, a rookie mistake by a coach that right now is watching his team fall from 5-2 and two to 6-5 and five and 1-3 and three in the last month, and you're a Hopkins-Hail Mary catch away from 0-4. It's just so disappointing because now you put back – really a, a good amount of doubt in not only the fan base, but your players in your locker room. Can we pull this off? Can we scratch and claw our way to nine to 10 wins and get into the playoffs, which seemed like a foregone conclusion when they were five and two and losing this game to this Patriot team that, I mean, this Patriot team could lose out. They could be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. They could be picking 10, 12, 14. The Cardinals see themselves as a playoff contender because they've gotten elite level play from Kyler Murray. Well, when Kyler Murray's not at his best, you need other players to step up. And you look at the guys who are making the, the big money on this team. You know, Justin Pugh, for instance, he just looks like a shell of himself. The guy's making eight figures. It's just, it was an embarrassing effort. I was embarrassed, like many of you, to, to be a fan on, on Sunday. Because that same, the same was always same old Cardinals. That that seemed like the same old Cardinals. So while the season is, is by no means over, the Cardinals still have to play Sean McVay twice, who, by the way, they've never beaten. They, they have to play a, a surging Giants team. They've got to play a, a San Francisco team that will not fear them. So I just, do I think they get in? I, I still think they somehow make it to nine wins and they'll, and they'll get into the postseason. But man, if they don't, Blake, this game, this game above all others will be the culprit for their, for their defeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's because this was a game that essentially you felt that the team had won. And uh, like we said, the predictions for the week, I had said I thought that it could be coin toss, felt Arizona was still the better team. But like you said, John, when it comes to like maybe the mystique or however that works with Gillette Stadium, the fact that uh, the Patriots, they have been able to kind of put together a bit more on offense, even though they're still primarily a rushing team. You know, you're able to hold Damian Harris to 3.4 yards a carry. They had essentially no catches from any receiver outside of Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird. And the kill Harry was completely held in check. Um, Myers was even held to five catches to 52 yards. Cam Newton had nine, I believe, completions on the day for a quarterback rating of 23, which is the worst he's ever had in his career. And you would think coming out of the game that the story would have been the dominant Cardinals defense or the incredibly inept Patriots offense. Instead, 1A ends up being the missed extra point. I should say the missed field goal by Zane Gonzalez. I wanted to point out, John, he almost missed that extra point earlier in the game. It barely snuck in. That He's, ter- he's terrible. He should not be on the roster. Yeah, it's unfortunate for that one. I think that the biggest question now, of course, is, all right, you know, Cliff essentially the last few weeks has trusted a kicker, and for four of the last five times he's trusted that kicker, um, Zane has missed the field goal essentially, or they've had an issue with getting that kickoff, such as in the Seattle game where – uh, essentially, Cliff had to call timeout. Um, getting back, at least before we get too far into the Kingsbury timeout, they had 56 seconds left. It seemed pretty obvious, at least, that the reason why Cliff called timeout was after that sack on second and 10. 
he was thinking, all right, our defense will get a stop here on third and 13, be able to, you know, get the ball back with 30 seconds left. We all saw the Hail Mary. Maybe you're able to take one or two shots to give Zane another chance. I think that maybe you could look at that and say maybe that was still putting a bit more faith in Zane or being able to. Obviously, the likes of putting your faith in Kyler at that point, to me, makes sense. What I do agree, though, with John is that call that happened, at least for the most part, on that third and 13 Essentially, you're looking at the Cardinals, and it was a very 2019 kind of Vance Joseph move. I think back to the Niners game where Mm -hmm. they blitzed the heck out of uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and the Niners on that third down. They converted that uh, pass play to Jeff. uh, I believe it was was Jeff Harris or... I think it was Jeff Wilson. Was it That's who it was. Or so? yeah, Jeff okay. Wilson. They completed that pass to Jeff Wilson. You know, you got a little bit out of position with Chandler Jones, but he's blitzing. They called a screen against it. He picks up a touchdown, and you lose the game. That was one of those scenarios where it felt like it was an over-aggressive Cardinals team. The, uh, you know, Patriots, they were able to take advantage of it. Again, I think that's one of those spots where, you know, you talk about maybe what they were trying to do was see if, hey, could we force another mistake from Cam Newton? Could we force him to throw a pick and we get the ball back? Can we blitz him? I think it's an aggressive move overall. I think that the struggle with this Cardinals team has had is... Um, You want to make sure that you are an aggressive team, but if you're aggressive and predictable, that's, I think, where the Cardinals' defense especially has gotten burned in the past. And on this play, you see Cam Newton. He still had enough athleticism to be able to make it to the sideline. Uh, Isaiah Simmons, you look at that play, he made the tackle. He had dropped all the way back to the free safety position. Everyone in Arizona is, like, completely out of caught off guard by the fact it was an option play weren't expecting it I agree at least and feel like that the coaching in this situation for Arizona uh, even though I didn't mind the fact that Cliff is like hey maybe give Kyler another shot it felt like overall the coaching in that aspect did let the team down some Uh, obviously it's hard you know if you know let's say that the Cardinals you know played that blitz get Cam Newton he fumbles the ball they run it in for six it's game over hey we're praising and saying congrats on being aggressive for all that it works I think there's a little bit of a leeway to that, but what we need to talk about, of course, is predictability. You don't want to have your coaching staff and your team be in an aspect where defenses and offenses get kind of keyed into some of your tendencies and what you want to do. And to me, that leads into story 1B, which is the lack of running that we saw from Kyler Murray, whether it was through to Bill Belichick, whether it was due to the chess match, or a lot of it probably has to do with The fact that Kyler Murray, at least right now, doesn't seem like he's willing to take some of these runs or that they're willing to hand it off to him. He had five carries for 31 yards. Most of those were scrambles. There was one designed run that I saw in the game, and it essentially had Kyler um, picking up a third and three. That was a must-have, gotta-get-this-one type of play. There was enough clock left. It was very much kind of the spot of, all right, the right move here is give the ball to Kyler, Use that kind of read option. He can make a guy miss in space for the most part. And that, to me, is the biggest thing because the Arizona offense, John, over the last few weeks, it has slipped. We saw it go from the number one offense in the entire league. It's now fallen to the number two offense to the Kansas City Chiefs over the past two weeks. They've gone from second in rushing yards in the league to third, and now they're fourth in uh, rushing yards per game. So overall, John, what we're seeing at least is once that hit from Kyler Murray was hit against Seattle – this has been almost a totally different team and different offense. They're averaging mm-hmm. 100 yes, less total yards per game. Kyler's gone from about some 60 to 70 rushing yards a game to he's averaging right now probably about you know 30 yards a game or so rushing. He was 15 last week. It's been a huge drop back for the most part. And so I think the question that people have is, uh, is 
pro football focus, right. There's a tweet earlier, at least, that we saw that showed, hey, like when it's talking about the, they call it, I think it's estimated points per attempt, or uh, I guess you could say at least um, uh, expected points, I think. Essentially, it just shows how valuable are you when you're on the field? Are you getting you know, more points than the average? Are you getting less points than the average? What we've seen overall is the Cardinals' offense and their passing attack has kind of been set up by the fact that Kyler is a great runner. We've seen also that, when teams blitz Kyler, he's been able to take off and run for a whole lot of yards. And when he's been kept in check, you think back to the Detroit game, you think to the Seattle game, they're putting up 17 to 21 points a game. They're not putting up that 29, 30-point average that we've seen. So I guess the question, John, is how much of this falls onto Kingsbury? And, hey, like, he just is letting Kyler have to run around and make plays and yeah. just kind of throw it to Hopkins. And if those aren't there, then they don't have an offense. And how much of it, like you said, is the talent portion of the Cardinals still is not where we need to be? We didn't see Christian Kirk step up, at least, for that one, knowing Stephon Gilmore was going to be across. We knew Larry Fitzgerald. Gerald was going to miss the game and really what we're looking at right now I think John is kind of Cardinals fans are trying to figure out where's the blame where's the fix and how do you get better and I think honestly John if the Cardinals can't run with Kyler or if he chooses you know not to run and trying to protect that shoulder no not a lot of deep shots it may be like this for the rest of the year and that's caused a lot of concern I think for Cardinals fans um, not just for this year a lot of people are going to probably question you know, is this going to be an effective offense for that one if teams are taking away Kyler's run game moving forward? Yeah, I, first of all, for the people that are skeptical of Kyler Murray and whether or not he can be an effective quarterback without running, he was great last year and he ran for 500 yards. I mean, that was not part of his repertoire as a, as a rookie. Uh, and you could even argue he was maybe a little bit more of a refined passer last year. Um, and so we've seen Kyler do it since day one in the NFL against the Detroit Lions, over 300 yards passing, multiple touchdowns. So, again, that's that's not a concern. That's a narrative that you're going to hear this week in the in the national media because it's new and it's fresh, and people want to just jump on Kyler um, for uh, many reasons. But that that's not legitimate. Everybody knows in that franchise and the people that follow this team. You know, unlike Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray can sit in the pocket and would actually prefer not to run. But like we've talked about it time and time again, they've got a finesse offensive line. They've got receivers that outside of DeAndre Hopkins aren't, you know, electric. They don't have another number one. They don't have, you could argue, a number two receiver on the roster, even though I like Christian Kirk. Fitzgerald should, I mean, at this point, you don't know what his future is. And then Isabella has been a disappointment. So I just I think it's it's one of those scenarios in which people want to want to run with a narrative that's 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 completely um, inaccurate and factual or infactual. So back to to your point, can they be effective this year? I, I just think that it's ingrained too much of of what they want to do and what they've been successful this year. I mean he he shredded the Niners week one partially by running the football. Same with Washington, um, and then you go back to some of his other best outings I mean Dallas on Monday Night Football he ran all over them Miami I mean Buffalo when he runs he he is one of the most probably behind Mahomes and and to a lesser extent Russell Wilson the most electric dangerous quarterback in football when he doesn't have the opportunity to run given the still development in his in his process of being intermediate passer as well as the talent issues you just mentioned in the receiving core he is probably above average, but not elite. And this team right now needs elite Kyler Murray to make the postseason. Again, we've talked about it all year. If the Cardinals are going to be a postseason team, their offense has to be top five. 
their defense is actually probably playing better than expectations right now. They've got a top 20 defense, you know, almost three-fourths of the way home. And yes, the the offensive opponents haven't been great recently, but I... I I if what I have seen from Seattle and, and, and New England the last two weeks in terms of the effort that we're going to get from Vance Joseph led defense the rest of the year, that's good enough for the Cardinals to get to the playoffs. Especially when you talk about teams like San Francisco, who's playing Nick Mullins. What's going on with Carson Wentz and, and Jalen Hurd's in in Philadelphia? Daniel Jones is hurt for yeah, and um, and in and and um, yeah, Daniel Jones and and in. For the New York Giants, the Cardinals are going to have some opportunities here to beat up on some bad offenses. But can the Cardinals, who really, I mean, they don't play too many elite defenses left outside of, I mean, if you could make an argument, the Rams have an elite defense. The Cardinals should have plenty of opportunities to win three to four more games. Will they? I have no idea. I would have thought, you know, if I was betting my mortgage on a game they were going to win based on how the season was trending, this was going to be it. Um, and and they came out, you know, on the the opposite side, and that's unfortunate. But I also think that, you know, people who are clamoring for, you know, coaches to get fired, I don't even know who you would fire at this point. Certainly, you're not going to fire Cliff. There's not really justification yet to fire Vance unless you're sure you have somebody better ready to go. That's my only argument. If you have Vic Fangio on line one and he gets fired from Denver and he's like, I'm coming to Arizona, then yeah, of course you make that change. But you know, and and let, don't just fire Vance to fire him if this is the effort you're going to get. Now, if they completely unravel the rest of the season, I mean, he's still coaching for his job. But, I mean, you're not firing Brenston Buckner on the defensive line. You courted him to come back. I mean, maybe you could fire Billy Davis at linebacker coach. The secondary, I think, has played decent given the, the lack of bodies at corner and the, the safety issues that they've had because of injury. So then offensively, you're not firing Cliff. And then, I mean, you, you could make a change maybe at receiver coach or at quarterback coach. I mean, who are you firing? You're not firing anybody. Oh, yeah, right. Not yet. Um, the, the only replacement I, I would say is, you know, are, are you going to get serious about your kicking game? Um, and I know they've got Mike Nugent on the practice squad and they could bring him up at some point. Maybe they just, they don't say anything and they make Mike Nugent active Sunday without telling us. Um, that's the only change. I mean, we're, we're in the December, man. There's not going to be wholesale changes in December. This is what the team is. And that's the frustrating part, Blake, is as, as limited as they are in certain areas, they should not be at all limited offensively based on the fact that your entire offense that you had to start the season is here, plus some. You didn't have Max Williams at the beginning of the season. He's here now. You've got everybody, minus Larry Fitzgerald, who, who had COVID-19 last week. We presume he'll be back this week against the Rams, hopefully. Jalen Thompson is the other one I think that's interesting. There is definitely a, a slight step back in terms of Chris Banjo, but... Yeah. Well, I'm just saying offensively, you've got everybody. There's no excuse for this offense. No excuses. you got your whole line. You've got your whole group of receivers. You've got all the backs. You've got your quarterback. Putting up 20 and 17 points in back-to-back weeks against teams that struggle defensively, that will cost you a playoff spot. And it can't, it can't happen again. You need to come out against this Rams team like your hair is on fire with your most creative play calling because the, the Rams have an actual defense and, and you need to put together your most complete offensive game. Otherwise, they, they will beat you soundly. And that's the disappointing part, Blake, is that this team, for all their shortcomings defensively, the defense right now is playing better than expectation and the offense is letting them down. 
Yeah, John, it's like earlier in the season, we talked about the consistency of the defense overall. If you take a look at the Cardinals season, essentially the defense has probably been the best portion of the team. And what's crazy about all of that, at least, is we're still talking about the number two offense in the NFL as far as being able to put up yards. We're still talking about a team that is averaging, you know, some 30 points a game. And they've really only had three bad games. And of those games with how they went, only one of them I think you could probably truly call out uh, as far as being just an awful performance, and that would be the Panthers game, where just the team came flat, unready to play. The offense did as well. And then you could look at the Seahawks game, where the Cardinals are constantly coming from behind. I, I, looking at how the Miami Dolphins have done now, you don't really fault them for you know the giving up 34 points to the team. They weren't able to make any mistakes, unfortunately, on Tua, but you watch how the Dolphins at least have played over the last few weeks, and you're like, wow, they've basically been kind of a sleeping giant overall in terms of being able to be efficient, being effective with how well their defense looked. It's unfortunate that Kyler essentially played a perfect game, but you look at how that team did. They weren't able to pick up a fourth and one running the ball. They weren't able to connect on that field goal with Zane Gonzalez. And in that aspect, John, I think that's kind of been the two biggest issues that we're seeing with this team. Some people are questioning if Cliff in that sense is being too conservative with the calls or trusting his kicker. And in some cases, I think at least you could say, yeah, maybe there's an aspect I could look specifically at that third and two play you can say hey like they just gained 12 yards on that play up the middle for that one earlier with Kenyon Drake it wasn't like you had Chase Edmonds in switched it to Drake and didn't get their results uh, sometimes teams even ones that have been terrible make a stand the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots game gave up essentially what I think it was two touch two rushing touchdowns and a first down to a Cam Newton play they run that same play on the goal line at the end of the game and suddenly they somehow find a way to stop it sometimes you're going to have that in short yardage what's been frustrating I think is when you are the number two rushing offense in the NFL you take Kyler Murray's legs out of the equation or don't offer enough consistency where teams are able to force it and you're not able to pick that up uh, that's why I think a lot of people have started to wonder and question some of Cliff's approach as far as when it comes to the short yardage situations like if you're going to be in the shotgun hand it off to Kenyon Drake and can't pick up a third and two when you need to you can't pick up a fourth and one uh, some aspects at least I think are really interesting John you know you some of it you kind of come down and it is results-based thinking like you know people blasted Cliff for being way too aggressive and throwing the ball and not taking time off the clock in the Buffalo Bills game they had three pass attempts pretty much right at DeAndre Hopkins he got bashed for that this week you have you know 20 yards you gain after Dre Kirkpatrick's interception you know you run the ball for a first down on that one 12 yard play and then you only get you know I think it was another eight yards after that. For the most part, you're not able to get that first down. You're held up on third and two. You don't go for it on fourth down. You try to say, all right, we'll bring in our kicker, at least get the points on the board, knowing if you don't pick up that fourth down, Patriots get the ball back in pretty good field position. It's just kind of some of these things at least are game management things that are disappointing because what you want to see is the Cardinals be able to learn from it. What I think we do need to talk about, though, now, John, that's become an issue is Clift has essentially been trusting his kicker. And he's seen enough failure, I think, from Zane Gonzalez. you got to kind of ask that question. Do the players who are there on the team trust Zane to line up for it? Because, hey, if, if you don't trust your kicker, then you got to get a new one. Now, maybe the players are back behind him. Maybe there's some injury you don't know about that he, you know, had a bad foot that'll be fixed. It's like some of those things you don't know or can't control. But I think you get to a point at some aspect where you have to be able to have the players know, hey, like, do we trust this guy? Do we have his back? Because if they don't, then all of a sudden you're looking at, hey, we – 
we have our identity this year, and it's getting the ball to Hopkins, letting Kyler use his legs, and being able to use some of these kind of creative play designs for the most part. Um, knowing that defenses are going to have to account for Hopkins, try to account for Kyler's legs, that should open up some of these receivers like Kirk or Fitzgerald or Isabella. And right now, John, it feels like the Cardinals' offense the last two weeks, they've been playing with one hand behind their back, either because teams are forcing the Cardinals to not run the ball or because of the cautionary concern for all of that with Kyler, they've just not been playing. And so as a result, you either need to kind of look hard at yourself and say, all right, how much of this then is learning to play with a slightly hampered offense of Kyler having to just be able to do better with reads in the passing game, being able to pick and choose your options, and how much of it is just having to kind of just – you know, look at the team. They'll say, all right, guys, we need to get toughen up here. The offensive line, if Kyler's not going to be able to run like he did, you guys have to be better. You have to step up in that regard because God knows he's been stepping up at least in the meantime um, as far as his level of play and the fact that the Cardinals should have won that game despite the fact that they ran the ball on the goal line. And I've heard some people have discussed and tried to figure out what to do with it. Cliff came out after at the end of the half and the end of the game after they ran the ball with Kenyon Drake. They're on that play. They get stuffed. They decided not to take the field goal and not take the points. Um, I thought if you get a touchdown there, you put the game away. Essentially, you come out of the half, you know, you have a chance for a 10-point swing. If you hit the field goal for that one, then it's like, all right, Patriots can kind of say at a stand. You had the chance to put the Patriots away. The Cardinals did not. Kenyon Drake maybe had some room to run to the left a bit. The right side of the line gets stuffed at the point of attack. Obviously, you would love to have had a clear replay where Kenyon Drake would have been able to be seen, but when the call on the field is so not obviously a touchdown that you look at the replay, that, to me at least, in that situation, it gets frustrating because it feels like, John, the Cardinals are a team that is having to figure out what they're doing in short yardage situations, and I don't know how much of that falls on Kenyon Drake's, you know, he's having a bit more lack of vision they don't have really a type of offense. I think at least when you look at uh, the Niners offense this last game against the Rams, they lined up on a fourth and one, could have probably kicked the field goal, but they lined it up. They handed it off to their fullback. They got that one yard. There's at least, I think, an identity aspect of the Cardinals with rushing that is ultimately reliant on Kyler. And they need to take that step forward, whether it's finding a way to be able to get that. You have to be able to pick up these short yardage situations and if teams are just going to say, hey, we'll take away Kyler as an option on these plays and force this Arizona Cardinals offensive line to pick it up and they can't, then it, you got to figure that out. Whether that's from you and your design, um, whether that's the players that you have on this team, I still think I would push for. You had brought Chris Streveler out earlier in the year. Kyler maybe hates getting taken off the field. Maybe that's the issue. Hey, I don't care. Say, hey, Kyler, like you said you don't want to be on these quarterback sneaks. We don't like your size. Fine. We'll put our backup out there who's got the legs. We even trust him to be our backup with his arm if you go down. And we're going to let the team know, hey, yes, we are going to run the ball here. We've got this other quarterback in. You know we're going to run the ball, and we're still going to pick it up on you. That is what the Cardinals need, I think, John. And the fact that they have not really been able to go toward that, path, it's it's been frustrating. You wonder if there's conservatism that Cliff is there, if this is learning through bad experience. I just figure, and I think a lot of fans are questioning, how, how do you get this fixed? Especially if you've been unwilling to kind of embrace this QB sneak and you don't really consider putting a guy like Straveler in. I understand the frustration fans have. Yeah, and here's the thing. You know, I think that we just assume because Kyler's, you know, the most mobile quarterback in the NFL that we ought to be able to get a yard when we need it. 
but he's not built. This isn't news to anybody, but he's not built like these other mobile QBs where he can just lean forward and get a yard. And it's kind of like it's ironic that Kyler in open space is so deadly and can get so many extra yards with his twitchiness and his movement and his speed and his agility. But when the Cardinals need one yard, I mean, I don't think there's anything that's plagued this offense more outside of penalties this year is being able to convert in short yardage. We've seen it time and time again. Now, I think a couple of things could fix that, not this year, but for next year. I think the Cardinals are going to take a strong look at their interior offensive line in the offseason. I know they feel really good about Josh Jones to be able to play um, for Kelvin Beecham next year. We've seen Josh Jones. He he, he was in, on the field with, with Max Williams in their heavy sets this past week and looked effective. So I think he's going to play a big role next year. And we think Justin Murray is going to be their right guard uh, in, in 2021. But then you've got a decision to make on Mason Cole with Lamont Gilliard waiting in the wings. Maybe you could kick Cole to left guard and play Gilliard at, at, at center. But regardless, I don't expect Justin Pugh to be back. The, the Cardinals up front just need to become nastier um and and more of the the ground and pound team that we saw a year ago when Sweezy was playing maybe the best football of his career um they don't have that ability right now and I think that you know in the offseason you get a little bit more physical up front that that could fix a lot of things but this year it just seems like so many teams for whatever reason when you're at third and goal third and short the Cardinals just can't get out of their own way and too often, we're seeing them having to go for it on fourth down because they can't just push forward for a yard. And you can't sneak Kyler in those scenarios because of your concern of, of him getting hurt. You ought to be able to find a back and a complement of offensive talent, offensive interior, offensive line talent, that can say, we're going to move these guys back you know, half a foot, and our back's going to be able to ram this up in there. And I, I think Drake's a nice back, and I think they would like to have him back under the right circumstances. But, Blake, you and I both feel like they could upgrade there. They could get a back that's bigger, that's more physical, maybe that's not you know as good a receiver as Chase Edmonds, but you've still got him under contract. I just think that that's why they were interested in Zach Moss in the draft before he we went to Buffalo. Just watch for that next spring, and I know that's, that's way down the line. But as far as you know, remedying it this year, I mean, they do a ton of stuff offensively that I don't really care for. That's just one of them. All the horizontal screens and passes when they don't really have shifty wideouts to make people miss outside of Hopkins. I mean, just I think Cliff has a vision of what he wants this offense to be, and I think that he is still searching for the right kind of personnel to fit that. I think they're getting there, certainly. They've made tremendous strides offensively this year, and I don't want to, to sell them short just because of a couple poor outings. But I also think that, you know, you double down on, on certain players to come in and play well for you this year, like Isabella. And, you know, they, they said Mason Cole was their guy. And you've got all these players that you've touted. And we're not, are we seeing the best of them, you know, 18 months into Kingsbury? We're not. I was going to say, John, it feels like, and this is kind of the way I think it is, the expectations that Cardinals fans have had coming into the season and then how the team has turned out, we've seen kind of almost a roller coaster. Like, hey, you start off 2-0, and look great. A lot of people are like, oh, maybe this is a special season. You drop two games at least, you're like, okay, there's there's maybe, is this team even a playoff team? They go on a tear against, and essentially you realize, okay, the Cardinals are a team that beats up on some of the bad teams, which is good. It shows that they're, you know, they're not a bad team. They even can compete against some of the big boys. But when you're playing to your level of competition like that, 
I think a lot of it is that there's a lot of fans who are looking at Kyler, looking at the team, looking at some of the stats and saying, hey, this should be like, you know, a 10 to 12 winning team. And I think, John, we're still not there yet. And part of that, part of the blame, I think, does go, you know, to a coaching staff. Part of the blame can go on there's times and things that they've had, uh, you know, a very close margin for error. And they've missed some of those. They've had five losses by the team are by three points, three points, three points, seven points, and then ten points. That's what the, that's what we've seen from the five losses of the team. They've only had one game that's been by ten losses. They've not been blown out or had like double digit touchdowns for that. They could be a lot better team for some of those if they you know made three of these field goals. We're talking at least and give them a chance for that. Hey, maybe if you get one of these touchdowns, you know that you had to settle for three points, you get flipped. They could be you know a much better team. We're seeing they're kind of taking that level of ascendancy. Now we're also seeing. If not for that, a uh, couple of these plays with that win over the Seahawks and the Hail Murray, they could also be looking more like a four and seven team right now. Sure, that's something I think that you have to look at is where the margin for error right now for this team is very close. And I think in that level, John, like you said, we're still needing to see that there's there's still talent issues on this team, and I think that Kyler is made up for a lot of those talent issues. I think also at least that the defense with how they've improved and been able to look good and you're seeing some of these creative blitz calls and, you know, like every team, there's going to be quarterbacks who lose or, get, or fall out of the game. Cardinals have gotten a couple of lucky breaks in that regard. You got to see Andy Dalton has <laughs> been one of the guys you got put in. You also got to see how the Niners had a bunch of injuries that happened right during your game week one. Um, you've kind of had a lot, couple of things that have gone your way. You had a nice, you know, nice weather games for some of the trips that they've had back east, like with the Jets. Ultimately, I think, John, what we're talking about is a team that is still, like you said, gaining and getting better talent-wise, but isn't there quite yet. And I think that Cardinals fans really, really badly wanted the team to be at that part. They wanted to look at the Cardinals in that Seattle game, be that team that kind of was taking that ascendancy to being kind of this, you know, uh, this beginning of this Cardinals empire, the beginning of the NFC West, and it's going to take maybe a bit more time and a bit more patience. I, I think it's important to recognize how far this team has come. And, and John, like, you know, we talk about it all the time. Pat Mahomes took over for a perpetual playoff team in Kansas City under Alex Smith. Seahawks were a playoff team that had beaten the Saints the year before, despite going 7-9. and nine. They had an elite defense and a solid running game. Yep. You look at least at the Ravens had been a playoff team. They, Lamar takes over, and suddenly you move Joe Flacco off the field. Who to thunk it? They start going five and one the rest of the year. This is a Cardinals team that was three and thirteen and historically bad, and has been adding back talent. Now I've seen some people say they feel like it's a twelve win team that's been coached down to maybe an eight or nine win team. I think it's more accurate to say yeah, maybe the Cardinals were more of a you know five or six win team that was coached down to a three win team, but. It's not like we're saying the team's had no talent. Kyler's bearing all of it. I just think that it's a team that you can see is on the cusp of getting there, but they're not there yet. And and let's, let's talk a little bit about Kyler here because there's some people who saw him like they scored a touchdown, took the lead. He didn't look like he was the happiest guy on the sideline. They said, all right, maybe reading the body language, like his stuff happening. And I think at least in that level, Kyler is just as frustrated with this Cardinals team as the fans were. Cardinals fans, I think, looked at how the pa the Patriots played and felt, we should be winning this game by two touchdowns. 
And that's something I think we haven't seen as much as far as from the quarterback position. I think Kyler, like you said, John, we talk about it all the time. He's dragging this team up, and they're having to learn how to win and how to win properly and how to win close games. Right now, they are not winning some of these close games. I think that if they can, you know, maybe figure out, all right, is it talent? How is it coaching? I think that there's bright days ahead for them in the future to learn how to win some of these close games. And that's something that they're going to have to learn from Kyler. Part of it might be him just saying, hey, Cliff, like I know that you're calling a third and two run on here. I think we need to go ahead and pass the play. Let's go for it on fourth down. I know what you're saying for this one. Or Kyler maybe even calling his own number and putting it on his back versus just handing it off on that one play. The second thing I'll say, at least, and this may be, I don't think, I don't want this to come off as any type of condemnation of Kyler, but because he's such a driven leader who just is about no BS, he doesn't try to put that out. I think you could say that he's a winner ever since high school, ever since college. He only lost two college games in his career. He didn't lose a single high school game. The NFL is not that. The NFL is not a, a team where unless you're a Belichick Brady, you're not going to be able to go 12-4 and four every single season, especially in the NFC West with how good the teams are. So I think that Kyler in this aspect, for some of that might be, hey, look at Larry Fitzgerald, a guy who has been on perpetually losing franchise, how he's handled it, learning a little bit in that regard as far as you're going to be learning how to lose whether you want to or not. So you might as well at least kind of – you know, put it together in a spot where at least the media will still have your back. At least people will still love you. And I think that's something that we're starting to see from Kyler in some different ways. Uh, I think that we're not quite there yet, but it's kind of weird to almost say like, all right, it's not like you're saying Kyler needs to learn how to lose. I think it's much more of learn how people want you to act when you're losing. You know, that's something I think at least that we're going to see. And that's just a maturity thing. I think that will come with time right now. I am far less concerned about the fact that Kyler is upset on the sidelines and not having fun and far more concerned about the reason why that's the case. It's because the Cardinals are not winning these games that they should be winning, John. And to me, that is a positive moving forward that I think will continue to drag Arizona up. Yeah, I just, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, the guy is addicted to winning, and there are players on that roster that either are doing this for a paycheck, and he knows it, or do not have the same competitive fire that he has. And that bothers him. And he's still learning how to be an effective leader of 53 men that a lot of them make more money than him, and the fact that he's only been in the league for a year and a half. I mean, Kyler gets all the accolades, and rightfully so, but at the same time, he also probably feels doesn't feel like it's his place to get on people just yet, and that'll come with time, but I also think, Blake, that the Cardinals as a franchise was always going to be a litmus test for Kyler to be able to come in and, and see how he took just strong adversity because this franchise, you know, we've talked about it endlessly, uh, they they've never won anything. They've never made it to um, you know the the highest heights. They've never won a Super Bowl. They've never had a prolonged period of success really outside of those three years with Arians, ten and six, eleven and five, three and thirteen. That's it. And so you know Kyler has expectations of himself that are high, like you just mentioned. But he can't do it on his own, and he needs his team to 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 raise their level of competitiveness and. Let's just be honest. There are guys on this team right now that aren't going to be here next year. And and hopefully you're able to weed out the the wrong kind of players, or excuse me, the right kind of players, and bring in more Hopkins, more players that are elite-level talents but also elite competitors because that's what Kyler Murray is. 
And that's pressure on Steve Keim. That's the one thing I think that's been very interesting, John, I do want to bring up is there's been a lot of people are looking at Kyler going, hey, like, you're acting skittish back there. You've got issues. Like, are you not wanting to run? Like, this, you just got to sometimes, you know, put up with the, a little bit of extra pain and take that hit. You know, there was that third down he ran on. He slid two yards before. You feel like the Kyler Murray of a couple weeks ago would have maybe dove for that or tried to make another guy miss, maybe taken a little bit more of a hit but got there. He just didn't. Some people have cast some blame on to it for that some are I think blaming Cliff Kingsbury but like you said John we're looking at a team as far as talent wise and I think that if people are expecting this to be a 12 win team and you're looking kind of at just some of the decisions made you know Patrick Peterson's out there you mentioned Pew some of it has to be at least that you have to be accurate and honest about where the Cardinals are with a franchise and that was one of my concerns going into the year unfortunately was with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins I still felt like they needed a wide receiver help I felt like that Kirk wasn't going to be this, you know, 100-catch, 1,000-yard kind of guy there. Now, maybe you put him there in the slot, but as we saw with that touchdown drop, you know, we're not even talking about a Cardinals loss if Christian Kirk calls in that touchdown. It was wide open. He just straight up dropped it for that one, and like you said, with him and with guys like Zane Gonzalez, if the team is going to commit to winning, you have to be able to find guys and talent who are going to come through in the clutch, even when things are difficult, and right now, just looking at Kirk, I, I just feel like he's a guy who he beat up on the Cowboys. He's gotten and some big deep pass plays against when there was a bad Seahawks secondary. Not to say like that it's you know totally awful for all that. I just think it's, you want to be honest on the talent level for all of that. And some of it was on Steve Kime. If this was going to be a Super Bowl type team, I just think they weren't quite there yet. And some of that falls on he's going to have to be as accurate and honest, especially when it comes to guys like Patrick Peterson. Um, who got blocked uh, on that Cam Newton touchdown run pretty handily. You're going to be talking about where you're at from the cornerback position and also just from you know this defensive line spot for the most part. You're going to get Chandler Jones back, but he's 30 and in the last year of his deal. What are you going to do to make sure that your quarterback gets every opportunity to succeed so that we're not looking back at this as some sort of regret? Um, yeah. And I think that's where you take it from there. The other thing, John, that's interesting, and this will be kind of one of our last points as we kind of start to wrap up the Pats game without Trent Sherfield, it seemed like he was sorely missed by the Cardinals their special teams looked terrible and I think that on one hand you credit Bill Belichick you know he's got guys like Matthew Slater Justin Bethel they've always been a dominant special teams force he even got his start as a special teams coach so you give that slant to them but if only Trent Sherfield is missing and your return coverage looks that bad that you should have given up probably two touchdowns, uh, one on a punt return, one on a kick return to the Patriots. I, I think I look at Jeff Rogers and go, all right, like if you're having to kind of trim off some of the fat, I know we saw that beginning uh, kicked block in the first two games of the season that, you know, punt return that I think was fumbled. And then you um, talk about the Niners game that kind of woke the Cardinals up by getting that ball there on a special teams play. It feels like Vance right now, uh, you know, if the Cardinals decide to let him go or let him walk or not renew his contract, I don't know if they get someone who's equal or better. And I think that's doable. I don't know not to say that you can do better than Jeff Rogers, but I think that he should be part of what's being reviewed because right yeah. now the Cardinals, we saw them go from the 31st or the awful team under Amos Jones. Jeff Rogers comes in and brings them to about an average team for us. It's like, oh, that's that's more than enough. That's huge. That's great. But now you're if you're trying to take the steps, next step for that one, it's more than enough. What you want to see at least is, hey, can you take that next step where you're able to make some of those game-breaking, game-changing plays? And we haven't really seen that since week one or week two of the season and 
Uh, we had a bad punt from Andy Lee in this game. Zane Gonzalez has been out there. So some of it is taking a look at the players and the talent. And some of it, John, is, all right, put it under review. Is it something at least where the Cardinals can do better? And if so, then go out and make a change. And if the answer is no, then at least, hey, you're not looking then at least at a weak point overall for the team. But that was the one thing I think that's been concerning is what started off looking like a solid special teams is now kind of made you look at Zane Gonzalez, who I think cemented the fact that he's probably not going to be back next year, even if he kicks the rest of the season Andy Lee at 38 you know you're probably gonna have to look at that and I think that everything in that regard at least should be on the table not to say oh we have to fire or let go of everyone but make sure that you're reviewing it don't just assume that you're content they're going into next season uh, especially because I think that's going to be in that year three is going to be a defining season for this team but before you get there you you're looking at this playoffs John there's not a great team in the NFC this year at all. And that's one of the things that we even learned uh, as we wrap up this episode today from this weekend. The Seahawks could not put away the Eagles. The Packers struggled to beat the Jaguars. Now they hung 40 points on the Bears overall for that one too. So they're probably the best team there, but they've struggled a ton against the run. That's been a weak point. The Niners, at least again, are playing. Nick Mullins have all these injuries. The Rams looked absolutely atrocious. Jared Goff just did not hit guys. They turned the ball over. Defensively, they got run over by the Niners. And you look at how the Saints are playing without Drew Brees right now, whose arm has looked cook, and the Buccaneers of all teams are dropping game after game and have not looked like the same defensive team the last few weeks. They've just been getting torched on the defensive side by some of these offenses and when they've played good offenses they have not been able to really do as much there's all sorts of friction potential between Arians and Brady like if you get into the playoffs it's wide open and you've got a chance to make some noise if you're Arizona and I don't want this team they need to be able to you know we can talk about it as fans for all that it's not us to play the game but they if they want to be a team that can actually make some noise and not have regrets they need to go out and be strong knowing your margin of error shrunk massively because of this Patriots game. You still control what you can control, but you've got to be able to now win a game that you probably weren't expected to win. Or if you drop a game that you were, you know, didn't expect that you would, that's something that the team can't afford. And it makes this Rams game very important going forward, John, because you got the Vikings breathing down your neck. The bears maybe find a bit of life and you want to see if you can swing into the five or six seed would be preferable to you know maybe being the seven seed and having to play Seattle or Green Bay on the road to start out if you can make it into the playoffs and right now the Cardinals they really have to kind of show a tenacity that we haven't seen from them um, for the most part in many seasons uh, outside of probably that 2015 year and I think they can do it with Kyler, but there's a lot of doubt right now, John, looking at where they're at. And I honestly can say after dropping two games in a row, I don't fault fans for finding fault there. Well, I think that this game Sunday, and we'll do a Rams preview later in the week. Um, every game now is going to feel like, you know, unless they rattle off three in a row or something like that, every game is going to feel like, the, the walls are kind of caving in and you're under a greater sense of urgency to win. Um, and you're going to be playing a Rams team that's going to be PO'd because they just had a, uh, they just lost to Nick Mullins and were swept by San Francisco. Um, but to me, the, the Cardinals, to get back to their winning ways, have to do one of two things. They have to go back to being the offense that can score at will, that can play with anybody. Because if that, if that happens... What, what we saw earlier in this year when the offense was, was clicking almost on all cylinders is the Cardinals can beat anybody. 
outside of maybe Kansas City in the NFL. But they can also lose to the worst teams in the league when they put together efforts like they did on Sunday. And so the truth is probably somewhere in between. But this year, because of the increased amount of playoff teams, we think that that's probably good enough to get them into the postseason. And I think, you know, via football outsiders, they still have almost a 60% chance to get in, which is the overwhelming favorite to, to get in. Uh, the Bears and Vikings still have to play each other. And it, we really, I mean, frankly, we shouldn't even have to play those odds. The Cardinals at 5-2 and two and the remaining schedule of games that they had, and I know you got to play everybody and everybody's getting a paycheck, and everybody's a professional. The Cardinals should make the playoffs. I think it would be an unmitigated disaster if they... If they don't make the playoffs, it's on them. It's totally on them, because it's not like this is sneaking up. You're in the playoffs right now. You're not out. Yep, it's it's right. So you can't... So you can't... Nobody's getting screwed. It's not like 2013, when that team went 10-6 and six and missed the playoffs. That was really disappointing, but... And that was just because, you know, other teams just couldn't help them out that year. This team, you're absolutely right. If this team limps into the end of the year, then we can have the conversations about who needs to be replaced, what what additions by subtractions we need to make, all that, all that other stuff that fuels the offseason. But right now, the Cardinals need to focus on what they can control. And it's very much the, the cliche saying of, let's take this one game at a time. Let's go for the first time in... The Sean McVay era, let's exercise some demons, let's beat the Rams. Just like you exercised demons earlier this year and you beat Seattle at home. And you, you're winning on primetime. You beat the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. You need to take another step. And that step, those bricks, will help you solidify you know, yourself to, to everybody else, including yourself, that you're going to be a contender. But right now, we haven't seen it. They're capable, Blake, and I think that that's why this is so frustrating. But... You know, we haven't, if you're listening out there, we haven't given up hope by any means because we hold them now. Absolutely, John. Yeah, the Cardinals have opportunity. We'll talk about that as well as a second NFL team that will be uh, there on our next podcast. Uh, Again, this is a huge game. If you can win this game, you'll basically catch up directly with the Rams. You'll hold a tiebreaker game over them. You Obviously, John, we could say you you could just split with the Rams, and that may be good enough to get you in. So it might be that this isn't a necessarily must-win type of game if you can pick up the latter game this season. But you don't want to have to worry about that or be forced into a Week 17, gotta win type of scenario. If you can be able to lock it up here and be able to go out, give a hard-fought performance, um, be able to take care of the Rams, and I believe it's also technically for the Cardinals. Uh, I believe it's a home game. We'll get into previewing the actual game itself later this week, but again, I would say it is probably now the biggest game of their season thus far, given where they're at, because... uh, you play the Rams, Vikings, <laughs> they play the Jaguars next week. So you want to make sure that you don't drop three games in a row. Uh, it's been disappointing to see how this team has looked at least over the past two weeks. We'll see if they can adjust moving forward. That'll wrap it up for us on the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Um, you can check out we've got plenty of content articles online. Uh, hopefully some of you guys caught on. I know there's been uh, some other holiday shopping that you have. There's our cards fan shop that we have for that one. It's not really that much that we... Uh, have overall that we have for each of those, but there's some actual ROTB swag, some Hail Murray stuff that's there. Uh, it's some good stuff, at least if you're still looking for a last-minute gift for a Cardinals fan in your life, you can help kind of support some of the local cards guys versus, you know, some of the big NFL product, at least. Um, some 
great designs there as well. Um, you can find the rest of our written content at revengeofthebirds.com. Uh, my latest article I put up I called was House of Cards, which i uh, got to be honest, I was kind of waiting uh, <laughs> most of the season to post that one, at least as far as just the title. Um, unfortunately, that can be a little too punny of a person. You can find the rest of my content there under at BlakeMurphy7. John, where can our listeners find your content and uh, also your post-game shows, which I've listened to each week. They've been awesome, at least, to be able to catch up right after the game for that rapid reaction. Well, I appreciate that, Blake. They haven't been super fun lately because Cardinals are are taking it on the chin. But you can find those at Johnny Venerable on Twitter. As Blake just mentioned, I do a a post game Periscope show uh, where you know we've recently been venting about the team's efforts. But hopefully, we can get a W and, and have a celebratory Periscope on Sunday. Uh, and then you can check me out here on RevengeOfTheBirds.com, and of course here on the ROTB podcast and. We'll be back, Blake, later in the week to preview what is essentially another must-win against the L.A. Rams. Yep, it's been that type of season. I'm just glad that we're here at this point where we get to talk about um, good Cardinals football. We've seen some bad Cardinals football. Hopefully they can right the ship. Thanks again for tuning in, everyone. Um, Have a good time wherever you are. Make sure that you stay safe after these holiday seasons, and go Cardinals. (laughs) 